Good evening, everybody. If you are watching this later on, after we're done recording, just please be patient, hang out with us. Got to give everybody a chance to find us. And if you skip ahead to about the five-minute mark, you'll you'll make it to uh, to the start. So otherwise, just hang in there and wait for us, and we'll uh, we'll be with you soon. See a couple out there. Uh, please, please check in. Let us know if you're here. Hi, Melissa. Good evening and welcome. Glad you're with us tonight. Anybody else out there? How you doing today, Melissa? What a beautiful day it was, right? Linda, good evening and welcome. Glad you're with us as well. Yeah, I, it uh, it sure changed, right? It went right from right from cold to to really warm today. But I, I think it goes off again tomorrow and goes up and down most of the week. Who else we got out there tonight? I see a few. Hi, Judy. Good evening. Glad you're with us tonight. I'm seeing about three, four here, so we'll just hang on and, and be patient. It is just six thirty, so we'll give it uh, give it another four or five minutes. Linda's ready to answer every question. Maybe we can just have you run the show tonight, Linda. What do you think about that? Yeah, I heard Melissa. There's going to be some storms tonight. Um, it'll help things cool down, but yeah, it could be a could be a rough night depending on where you live. So as some of you can see here, just trying a different, little different backdrop and, and setting for class tonight. Uh, over the next couple of weeks, you might see me uh, tinker, see us tinkering around with a, a couple of things here. Um, so we'll just see what happens. Let me know, give me some feedback, but I'm just gonna try some different things out and, and see how it's going, see how we can improve the quality of, at least on the tech side of things. Um, with the discussion you guys always give, quality is great that way. Just looking to see if we can have a maybe better product video-wise. All right, we got eight or nine. I'm going to give it about two more minutes. Anybody... Everybody ready to go? We're going to be at Luke 9, 10, and 11 tonight. So just... Uh, Get ready for that. Luke 9, 10, and 11. Good evening to Jane and Glenn and Jean and Joel. Uh, so glad that all of you are with us tonight. Marge is here too. Hello, Marge. Good evening. Can everybody hear me all right? I got the mic in a little bit different position tonight, so let me know if you're not picking it up. We're going to give it two more minutes here, and then we'll get started uh, in Luke chapter 9. Again, so many things packed into these chapters from Luke, so be ready to ask questions or make observations to things that we don't cover um, in the discussion. A lot of good stuff here. Um, while we wait, do you have one more sheet that I sent? Um, how soon do I need to send more worksheets? Um, remind me, did I give you through 14? If my memory serves, you've got one more week. Somebody uh, let me know if that's not the case. Yeah, Linda, good question. Um, I was able to see Joan and, and talk with her and visit with her yesterday. How's she doing today, Jane? Any, any update for us? Linda says you have through 14, so you have the sheet for next week yet. Uh, Melissa says the same. Um, so in next week's email, 
um, I will get you some more sheets. So don't look for it this week. Uh, but in next week's email, I will send you uh, the rest of Luke, worksheets for the rest of Luke. So just be ready for that. I see we're holding steady here. Um, thank you for the suggestion, Joel. And I realize that glare off the, the, the dome here um, probably is a little distracting too. But is that a little bit better? Is that a little bit better? Thank you. All right. Yeah, appreciate the feedback, everybody. Always looking for ways to improve here if we can. Um, I, I'm standing for class tonight, too. So if that becomes a distraction, let me know. I tend to not stand still very well. Um, but <laughs> thank you, Linda. Appreciate it. It's funny that preschoolers every week, every Wednesday morning, are very curious about why there's no hair up on my head. Um, and so I have to explain that every week. But um, all right. Yeah, I got you, Joel. No, I know. No worries. Um, all right. Let's get going here. 634. There's a few out there that, that I'm not seeing that maybe are normally here, but it is time to get going. So let's pray and then uh, then we'll begin. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, again, so glad, uh, so blessed to be together tonight to discuss and, and talk through Luke. Uh, be with us. Give us uh, comfort and encouragement. Help us to grow in our faith. Help us to be a blessing to each other tonight, Lord. Uh, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Uh, Jane there gives a, an update on Joan. Um, progressing. That's good. Um, good to hear, Jane, and we'll pray that continues. All right, everybody, we are in Luke chapter 9, and again, he just, he packs so much detail into this here, um, and I meant to double check the timeline here um, before class tonight, and, and I neglected to do that. My rough estimate here is we're about halfway through the ministry of Jesus, approaching the midway point. Um give or take. Um, so again, I, I didn't look closely at that before class, but I know we are, we're progressing through the ministry here. All right. So chapter nine, Luke chapter nine, Jesus is heading, uh, he's heading closer to Jerusalem and on the way, he's going to send his disciples to kind of prep the way a little bit, do a little bit of mission work, a little bit of experience. Um, and that's where question one picks it up. It says that the disciples were going forth proclaiming the kingdom of God, driving out demons and healing people. By way of contrast, what's going on in the kingdom of the world as represented by Herod, the ruler of Galilee at this time. So they're doing their work, their ministry, uh, spreading the gospel. What do you see going on in the, the rest of the world at the same time? What do you see there? And I think the, the answer we give here. Um, I think has some applications for our day and age too. Okay, um, so Melissa, yeah, that uh, that's kind of a biggie, right? John had been beheaded, and Herod, uh, the one who was responsible for that, um, seems to have a bothered conscience by that. Um, what else? What else do you see in the world around Jesus and the disciples here in Luke chapter 9 as they are uh, carrying out their ministry? And good evening and hello to Joe and Marlene. Glad you're joining us tonight. Uh, we're just talking about question one. What else do you see here from the kingdom of the world as the disciples get their first taste of ministry? I think... Um, so Linda says uh, Herod was trying to counter. Right? He's definitely working against um, the ministry, right? Herod lacks faith, Judy says. Um, and that's a good observation to make too, Melissa, that Jesus is getting them ready, right? They're not always going to be welcomed. They're not always going to be received well. Um, and I think as you just look at the people here that, that Luke describes, I think in general, um, I think there's confusion, right? You look at verse 8, um, verse 8 and 9. There, there's definitely confusion about who Jesus is. Uh, people are per perplexed. There is a, a lack of understanding about Jesus and the gospel. 
And I think everything we are saying could also be applied to today, couldn't it? I, I don't think much has changed in the world, um, at least as far as Jesus is concerned. There are still people who are confused, perplexed, people who don't have a lot of understanding about who he is and, and what his goal is, what his mission is. Um, I, there are people that are curious, right? Herod, Herod has some curiosity here. Um, I, so I think it's just a good reminder for us that um, we shouldn't expect anything different, right? The world is still very much like it was then in, in a lot of ways. Um, let's go to number two here. It's always easy for a pastor to trust the Lord when gracious congregation members support his work. I've been blessed uh, everywhere I've served to, to, to have that. Um, but can a pastor trust the Lord when the people in a town reject his message? So if you look at verse five, can a pastor trust the Lord even when people in a town are rejecting his message? Jesus tells the disciples that it's going to happen. Um, and he tells them how to respond to it too. Shake the dust off their feet uh, when they leave the town as a testimony against them. Can the, can the pastors, the disciples, the leaders, can they trust the Lord when the message is being rejected? And I'll just say, while you guys are responding to that, first of all, um, all my years of ministry, there's there's been... Many opportunities, people coming to faith, people joining congregations. That has always been the case. But I would say the last five years, I've had more people than before um, take the class and not complete it. Take the class and not join. Take the class and decide, nope, that's not for them. That That is happening more than it used to. Um, the number of, of people being confirmed and coming to church, that that hasn't changed. That that continues to happen. God continues to do, send those people. But I'm noticing that the rejection is, is increasing a bit. Anyway, uh, Judy says, uh, they still get strength from the Lord and they keep trying. Um, there are others who will welcome the message. There always will be more who will welcome the message. And um, don't give up just because one, one rejects, right? Uh, Melissa says she's, yes, she's still reading Jeremiah. Um, and you want to tell, yeah, he was, boy, um, his ministry, I don't think anybody in, the, in scripture can compete with the rejection that Jeremiah faced. Um, but he, he, even he still trusted God there, as Melissa says. So, so I, absolutely, we, we still do, right? As many of you are saying, we, we know and we trust that the message will still be received by some. And even if it doesn't, um, we know that, um, our calling is to simply share the word and to preach the word the way that God calls us to. All right. Uh, moving forward here. So Jesus, um, he feeds the 5,000. And again, that, that's a pretty well-known section. We, we, we hear it every year in some fashion in, in worship. So I don't have a question for you there. Uh, please don't hesitate to make an observation here at the end when I when I give you that opportunity. Um, but let's look at number three, uh, looking at verses 18 to 21. Um, what apparently had the disciples learned that the others had not? So what apparently had the disciples figured out that we just read about the, the confusion, the perplexity, perplexity in the crowd? Um, they aren't getting it. Um, what is it that... The disciples clearly are, are, are picking up on. Okay, Melissa says they, they know who Jesus was. They had figured out the, the real deal, that he was the real deal. Um, Marge says that Jesus was the Messiah. They had faith. Um, now, I think as we go, um, clearly they're still figured out exactly what that all means. They don't, they don't have all the details. They don't understand everything completely. But they have faith. They, they know who Jesus is. They know that he is the Christ. He is the Messiah, as you all are pointing out here. And Judy credits, gives the credit where the credit is due. The Holy Spirit had worked that in their heart. Um, otherwise, they'd have been just like everybody else, right? The, the only thing different with the disciples than the rest 
was exactly what Judy said there. Holy Spirit has created faith in their heart. Um, otherwise, they'd, it, it, <laughs> they're going to show such evidence of their um, their their uh, tendency to, to disbelieve, right? That they're going to struggle here, but, but there is faith. Um, and when you look at the world around you and you see all the chaos and all the, all the unbelief and the questions and the confusion, um, thank God for your faith. Uh, thank God that you believe. Thank God that the Holy Spirit has, has done his work in your heart. That doesn't mean you understand everything. That doesn't mean you can answer every question people are going to throw at you about Jesus. But you don't wonder who Jesus is. You're not confused about that. And that's a tremendous blessing. Um, now our goal is to grow in that. That's why we do this every Tuesday, right? We're trying to grow in, in what we have. But thank God for that. Um, Phil says here they are a work in progress. They absolutely are. And sometimes they acknowledge that. Other times they do not. Um, yeah, Linda, why do you think that would be? I wanted to ask that question. I don't think I have that on your sheet. Um, Verse 21, Jesus warns them not to tell anyone what he had just said to them, that he was the Christ. Um, why? Why do you think? Uh, Linda points out there, Jesus told them to keep it a secret. Verse 21, why do you suppose that is? He had just sent them out, right? Just sent them out to, to talk about the Messiah. Why does he tell them here not to tell this to anyone, that he is the Christ of God? Anybody got a thought there? Anybody? So Phil says, not enough public proof. There are more questions and assumptions uh, than needed. Um, I think you're on the right track there, Phil. I think Linda is too. She says it was not his time. Um, yeah, Jesus is on a schedule. Uh, he can't go to the cross too soon. Um, and if the disciples start spreading this, perhaps that increases the, the clock, right? It makes things come quicker than, than Jesus wants them to, um, and, and I think, as Phil says, too, there, there's still false ideas out there about who the Messiah is. And so Jesus wants to control that narrative. Um, people aren't going to understand that anyway. And so he wants to be the one to be able to, to, to give that message in the right time in the right way. And he just doesn't he doesn't want the end to come soon, too soon. He, he's got other work to do yet. So, uh, good question, Linda. Let's go to number four here. Jesus announced that he would suffer, die and rise again. Such was the humble way that he would establish his kingdom. The disciples would have to take up a similar cross as they went into the world, calling people into the kingdom through the crucified Savior. Long way, we get to the question, why is it necessary to lose our lives in order to save them? So we're looking especially here, verses 23 to 27. Jesus says, uh, whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for me will save it. Verse 24. Why is it necessary to lose our lives in order to save them? What what point is Jesus trying to make here um, to, to people who would follow him? Um, he, it almost comes off as rude, but, but first we need to understand his point here. Um, what's he saying? Anybody have a thought in number four? Why is it necessary to lose our lives in order to save them? So Linda has a thought here um, about attitude, our willingness to give our lives for, for Jesus. Um, absolutely. In order to do that, though, Linda, we've, so that's the end result, right? He wants us to, to give our lives in service to him. Um, but we can't really do that until we've understood um, that this life isn't about me, right? Uh, Melissa says he wants them to understand that following him wasn't going to lead to earthly glory. Uh, I think that's a good point. Um, Marge, that's a great comment too. We, we must put aside our own desires and follow Jesus. Following Jesus isn't about me. It's about Jesus. 
Judy says, giving up our worldly ways to gain heaven. Jane says, not value our lives on earth more than we value Jesus. All of those comments, observations are, are spot on. Um, losing our lives means giving up our pride, our sinful pleasures. Our, sometimes it means giving up an opportunity or a relationship if it's going against our Savior Jesus. Um, we need we, To go along with the world means denying Jesus. Jesus wants us to deny the world and to follow him. Um, so you guys are all on, on this one. Uh, Lin, Linda says, I, I don't think I would have made a good disciple. Ah, you, you and me both, Linda. And, and frankly, how many of these disciples would have said they were good disciples? Uh, I can't imagine Peter saying, especially before the resurrection, I can't imagine Peter saying um, that he was a top-notch disciple. James and John appeared to have had that thought at times, but... Um, Phil said our God is a jealous God, and so he wants all our attention. Um, and understand the, the purpose there, right? The, the, the jealousy, it's for our welfare. It's for our benefit. It is for our good that he wants our worship, our, our attention, uh, our service. All right, uh, good stuff. Um, again, so much in this chapter. Um, so we're, we're going to lump together verses 37 through the end of the chapter. So there's the healing of a boy with a spirit. There's the argument about who is the greatest, some opposition, uh, the cost of following Jesus. Um, as you looked at that section here, question five says, what important lessons were the disciples learning for their future ministry? Can you list as many uh, as you can? Um, so what I guess what I would just ask here for number five, give us one. Give us one important lesson that the disciples were learning that, that you and I hopefully are learning too um, as we follow Jesus and as we think about the ways that we serve. Um, if you don't mind, maybe pointing to a verse and giving us the lesson that the disciples hopefully were learning. Um, and then we'll just, we'll just kind of see what everybody comes up with. There's so many here. I think I've got eight or nine on my page, um, and I'm sure that's not an exhaustive list. So let's just see what you come up with here. Uh, Judy gets us started and says, uh, they should be all in, uh, patience and humbleness. Um, yeah, I think the patience really shows up uh, in verse 46, verse 41. Um, so, and there, there we see patience in action, right? Patience that Jesus has for unbelievers and also for his disciples, right? 41 and 46. So patience, um, humility also, I think you get there in verse 46 um, and, and following. Jesus teaches them humility. Um, so good. Melissa says, it was not the disciples' job to decide who was a real follower. Don't stop people doing good in Jesus' name. Yeah, again, there's there's some humility. There should be some humility there, right? Some pride um, or, or to get rid of the pride and just to allow people to serve. Um and not, not be a control freak in a sense. Marge says your duty is to preach the coming of the kingdom of God. Yeah, I think that's a good one to mention there, and especially to understand as they're preaching, um, what people do with it really isn't your issue, right? Your issue is to preach it. What people do with it is is up to them. Uh, Mar, or I'm sorry, Marlene says deny yourself. Oh, that's a tough one, isn't it? Um, to deny yourself. Um, definitely a, a lesson Jesus is trying to give them here. Yeah, Linda says a surprise. Um, whoever's not against you is, is for you, right? And, and I think um, the disciples needed to understand, yeah, they had a, a unique relationship with Jesus, but they certainly weren't going to be the only ones who would share the gospel or, or talk about their Savior um, they needed to, to be aware of that. They are just one piece in, in a larger puzzle. All right, anybody else? Lessons to learn. One I, that I wrote down here, um, if you look at verse 40, um, just understand where we place our faith. Um, and Jane, that's a perfect, uh, perfect comment. That, that's what I'm getting at here, that they can't have faith in themselves, right? This isn't about their power, their strength. 
This is about what Jesus can do in his power and his strength. And in verse 40, you see evidence there that they struggled with that. Uh, they were perhaps relying on themselves too much and not relying on uh, Jesus enough. I think there's a lot of other lessons here. We, um, I think if you look at uh, 42 and 43, you see Satan has power, but the Lord has power over him. Mercy and compassion. Uh, Marge has caring for others there. I think, yeah, if you look at 54, um, we talk about Jesus' mercy and compassion for people. Um, we see love for children in verse 47. I think there's determination to follow God's will in verse 51. Um, and then as somebody said earlier, I think it was Judy, they, they needed to be all in. Uh, you look at the 57 to 62 there. Dedication. Jesus says, be all in. No halvesies here. We're not half in, half out, half committed, wishy-washy. Be all in. All right, Marge said, no, wait, did I already get that one? Caring for others is a measure of your greatness. Um, yeah, and Jesus really tried to make that point with them on several occasions. Um, good evening, Ron and Joan. Uh, better late than never. Glad you're with us. Now we are just finishing up Luke chapter 9, uh, question number 5. Phil says the devil was real and demon possession was not a hoax. Um yeah, there's power there, but the power is no match for Jesus, of course. Um, so good stuff. Great lessons for those disciples, but hopefully for you and I too. Um, there's a lot there packed into that half a chapter uh, for people who want to follow Jesus. Um, all right, I jumped ahead of myself a little bit. Earlier I had mentioned he just sent out um, the 72. That, that actually... He sends out the 12 in verse 9. He sends out the seven, or chapter 9. He sends out the 72 here in chapter 10. All right, so let's jump into chapter 10. Um, if you had a question or comment on chapter 9 that we did not cover, uh, go ahead and post it here. Um, otherwise, we're going to jump into chapter 10, question 1. Read Jesus' instructions to the 72 and then respond to the following. I feel so inadequate an evangelism committee member says, if Jesus were here in person, he could do a much better job than I. People would surely listen to him. How would you respond or answer that person? Jesus would do such a better job if he were here. I feel so inadequate. Not to be snarky, but the first thing I would say is welcome to the club. All right? Don't we all feel that way? Um, that's less than helpful, though. So perhaps you have something a little more evangelical or a little more useful here. Um, so you read that section there on the 72, first 23 verses or so, and then respond to that. Somebody on the evangelism, and it doesn't have to be an evangelism committee member. Maybe it's your friend who's trying to share Jesus and just says, I feel so inadequate. Um, if Jesus were here, he'd do a much better job than I people will surely listen to him. How do you answer that person? How do you answer that person? Melissa says Jesus was there, and he sent out people besides himself to do the work. They were actively doing the work even while he was still alive. I, I think that is uh, one, of the, one thought here, Melissa. He sent them out, and he was still there, right? Not even, not even Jesus. Um, I, I want to be careful how I say this. He, he's God and can do anything, but he's also a true man, right? Um, so Jesus wasn't going to reach every last person. Um, and so he, he's sending more people out to do his work. Please don't misunderstand that. Um, I'm not trying to say that Jesus was an inadequate in any way. Uh, Marlene says, we have Jesus' words and advice and examples. Linda says, you, I am assuming that's a plural you, are Jesus' representatives. Um, we get power from the Holy Spirit, right? Power from God, Jane says, when we witness. Um, and that's the other point I wanted to get to there, uh, Ron and Joan. They didn't even listen to Jesus. Um, so would Jesus do a much better job than I? He might say things more clearly, Um 
but they rejected him too. So there's no guarantee that they wouldn't reject Jesus if he were there instead of you. And, and notice what he says, whoever rejects you rejects me. Um, so Jesus is anticipating that um, they, if they aren't going to listen to us, they're not going to listen to him either. If you look at verse uh, 16. A couple other thoughts. Uh, what a big responsibility this is, right? Great responsibility uh, to, to share the word, to, to share the word with authority. Um, and is it fair to say here that the, one of the points Jesus is making in chapter 10 is that you and I aren't second rate. If we're sharing the gospel, it's as good as if Jesus is sharing the gospel. Um, that's, that's what Jesus is getting at. If they listen to you, it's as if they listen to him. So that it's not like we're the B team here. Um, Jesus has called us. We are his representatives. Um, doesn't get any better than that. So, all right. Any questions or comments there? Good discussion. Good reminder there from Linda to ask the Lord of the Harvest to send more. We have about 20 young men uh, going out here this in, in a couple of weeks. We sure could use probably double, triple that uh, easily. So, yeah, ask for more workers. And understand, too, um, you can be one of those. Not in the full-time ministry necessarily, but with the people in your lives. Right? You can you can be that those workers. All right, so the disciples come back. Um, the 72 come back. They're rejoicing. Um, Jesus affirms their joy. Um, what are they rejoicing over? But then he reminds them of a greater joy. So he doesn't rain on their parade, right? They should be excited. He affirms their joy. Um, what is it they're excited about? Why are they rejoicing? And then what is the greater joy that Jesus reminds them of? So Judy says, even demons uh, submitted to them, but give God the glory, right? So I think that's the first part of it there. They were able to do some awesome things, perform miracles, uh, driving out demons. Man, I, I'd be excited about that too, right? I would be jumping up and down. Um, guess guess what I did, right? They're, they're, and Jesus does not, does not uh, tell them to knock it off. Um, they're excited about that. There's joy. He affirms that. But the greater joy, he says that their names are written in heaven. Um and just think about that. Um, what good is it if you can cast out demons here but not make it into heaven? What good is it um, if you have the gift of sharing the gospel? What good is it if, if God has enabled you to do all these wonderful things? What good is it if you can't get to heaven? All right, so Jesus is just teaching them and us perspective. Rejoice in your gifts. Rejoice in your victories, the trophies that God gives you. Um, but understand there's greater joy, right? There's greater joy. None of, none of this earthly joy matters if we don't have our heavenly joy. All right, any questions, comments there? I feel like I'm talking a little too much, but again, that's, I think, how that has to go when we're in this format. Um, anybody else on that one? Other comments on that one? Phil says, like the sons of thunder, they think they need to do something versus God's control overall. Yeah, it's easy to think that, right? And the disciples were prone to that, maybe especially. Um, so good timely warnings here from Jesus. Linda, good lesson to learn right away. Good lesson to learn right away. All right, I'm going to point you to question three. It just says, describe the comfort of verse 22. Uh, verse 22 says, all things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father, No one who know, and no one knows who the Father is except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Uh, what's the comfort of that verse? And if you have any feedback about me standing here. Let me know if I'm moving too much. Let me know. I'm trying to avoid grabbing the desk in front of me because I think it shakes the, the computer. I don't want to get anybody dizzy at home there. Um, 
So let me know uh, if it gets bad, just tell me to stand still. Um, so we are, again, question three here. Describe the comfort that verse 22 brings. Describe the comfort that verse 22 brings. Jesus is talking uh, to his followers here. Uh, Marge says, Jesus chose me to know God. Linda says, Jesus revealed himself. Yeah, we don't have to wonder, right? We don't have to search. We don't have to go looking around. He revealed himself to us. We know who he is, right? Um, we belong to him already. What a huge blessing that is. Um, I mean, you look at the ministry of Jesus and the disciples here, and there are people all over the place who are confused, perplexed. They don't know what's going on. And, and, and we do. Jesus has been revealed to us. Uh, what a blessing that is. Um, no searching, no wondering. We have confidence. Um, we have confidence. We have been predestined, right, as, as drone types there. We've been chosen. Good. All right, um, next section, a well-known parable, parable of the Good Samaritan. We'll spend a little time, maybe not a lot of time here. I would say, first of all, um, one of the most well-known, and I'm going to say maybe one of the most misapplied parables in the Bible. Um, so... I'm going to ask the question, what's the main point of the parable of the Good Samaritan? Um, most often when I've asked that question, I have not heard the right answer. Um, and I, I should, I suppose when I do that, I, then I, I just eliminate anybody wanting to answer that question. Um, just think, think critically here. What's the main point of this parable? The main point of this parable is not be a good person. What is the main point of this parable? So that's an application we want to talk about, Linda. Um, I would say that's not the main point. That is something we are gonna we're gonna talk about. So Linda and, and Jane are both making valid applications. Um, sometimes the people who know better don't do what they ought to do, right? Linda, that's your point. Jane, everybody's our neighbor. We can't make excuses about who we can help and not help. Um, yes, Marge, people want to love their enemies. Um, Ron and John say, all, all everyone's your neighbor. I, I agree with all of those, but I don't think any of them are the main point of this parable. Um, all good applications. But again, I don't. I think the we're missing the first main point here. Um, notice who Jesus is talking to. Who asked the question? Um, an expert in the law stands up to test Jesus, right? An expert in the law stands up to text to test Jesus. Jesus is not telling this parable to a believer. Um, he's telling this parable to somebody who thinks. He's done enough, right? And so when Jesus is giving them and teaching this parable, um, his primary purpose here is to use the law as a mirror to show the man that he is not who he thinks he is. The main point of this parable is, the main takeaway here is, I'm not a good neighbor. That should be the main takeaway. That's the point Jesus is trying to demonstrate to this man. He is not the good neighbor that he thinks that he is. This is law. Now, from that flow some of these applications that you guys are making. But if we don't start there, we miss the point. Um, first and foremost, my reaction to this parable is, what a sinner I am. I am not the neighbor that God calls me to be, right? I am not the one who loves my neighbor like this man does. Um, and then we would move to talk about a lot of the things that you guys have posted here. Um, I just think it's important to point out the audi intended audience there or who Jesus is talking to. Um, so this is primarily law. And, and I think we we got to be careful about just moralizing um, when we teach this parable. 
Now, the, the applications you guys make there are, are correct, right? Everybody's our neighbor, not just the people we want to help. Um, and you're right. Uh, Linda mentions that the priest didn't do right. Um, but first and foremost, when you hear this parable, um, I don't see yourself as the Samaritan because that's not us, right? All right, that's, that's probably enough there. So, so number four, um, this is law, right? I'm not a good neighbor. That's the point Jesus is trying to drive home. And of course, he is. I think maybe Melissa said that earlier. Uh, Jesus is the, the one who loves the neighbor perfectly. Um, thank God he did, because I've never loved the neighbor perfectly. Um, now, saved by Jesus, loved and forgiven by him, I'm going to try, right? I'm going to try to be this good Samaritan. Um, but I'm kidding myself if I ever think I'm going to attain that, that level, right? Anybody have a question on that? I'll give you just a moment to respond to that. Um, Luke has some of the well-known stuff, well-known um, sections here, because we go right into the home of Mary and Martha. Um, and by the way, the end of the, so the very last sentence of the parable, Jesus tells the man, go and do likewise. That's law. That's not gospel. Um, that's like Jesus telling the rich young man, go and give everything to the poor. Both those statements are intended to teach those guys they can't do it. They can't do what God is saying. They need help. They need a savior. All right. Um, I'm, that's probably good. I've probably beat that point to death. Uh, any questions, comments? Uh, please post them. Number five, was it wrong for Martha to serve? And where did her fault lie? So verses 38 to 42, was it wrong for Martha to serve? And where did her fault lie? Joanne, I agree. Better late than never. Glad you're with us. We are in the last question of Luke chapter 10. Last question of Luke chapter 10. So we're talking about Mary and Martha, or Martha and Mary. Um, was it wrong for Martha to serve? And where did her fault lie? So the Myers say serving is good, admirable even. Martha's priorities were not right. So Mary, listening to Jesus, that is the main priority. Um, yeah, I, I would agree. Uh, it, first of all, it's not wrong for, for Martha to serve. And, and I would anticipate everybody, every one of us, would probably do what we can to be a good host to Jesus, right? I think we're all going to be running around the house a little bit crazy uh, to host Jesus. So it's not wrong to serve. Uh, Melissa points out, and Linda points out, the attitude. Yeah, there's resentment towards her sister. Um, so that's certainly an issue. Um, and, and I think um, that's a biggie, Judy, and, and thanks for saying it that way. Um, Martha is trying to dissuade Mary from listening to Jesus. Jesus doesn't rebuke Martha for her service, but he does rebuke her for trying to pull Mary from her time with the word, right? From her time with Jesus. Um, so gotta be careful there, right? We, we don't want to. Um, and so think about that with your families. Are we in any way pulling them from their time with Jesus. Um, I think that's something to think about. Or are we allowing them to pull us from our time with Jesus? You know, I think of weekend tournaments and, and other things that are going on. Um, do we as a family allow ourselves to be pulled away by uh, from our time with Jesus? Again, not wrong to serve. Uh, attitude wasn't great, and pulling Mary from the time in the Word uh, was an issue. Um, and Joel, distractions, right? Certainly she was distracted from, from her focus. Um, and she's anxious, right? Um, <laughs> Marlene, worrying about the potato salad. That's, that's funny. Um, you think Jesus would have liked potato salad? I, I bet you. I bet you he would have. Um, pretty sure they didn't have potato salad, but, um, what about mac and cheese? Think Jesus would, anyway, all right. Um, we could, 
Let's, uh, anybody else on chapter 10? Anybody else on chapter 10? Um, and so verse 40, Joel talks there about distraction. Um, I, we're, we're pretty distracted too, aren't we? Um, I've got a note here at, uh, in, in my margin of the Bible just says, I, I'm good at being distracted too. And, and I think, um, that's nothing to brag about, right? It's so easy to be distracted. I think now with phones and electronics, it is incredibly easy to be distracted, right? Any notification on the phone and all of a sudden we, we've stopped. We've, we've interrupted our train of thought. Um, so we can sure relate to Martha here. He liked goat cheese, says Joanne. Yeah, I betcha. I betcha he did. All right, anybody else? Chapter 10. Otherwise, we are going to uh, be jumping into chapter 11. Going to talk about prayer. And by the way, did anybody notice anything different about our prayers in church on Sunday? See if anybody was paying attention. Anybody notice something different about our prayers in church on Sunday? Extra credit to the one who posts it first. What did we, uh, what did you notice about our prayers on Sunday that, that were different? Yeah, we use the, so Marge, Marge, Marge gets it here. Marge is the, the winner. Um, we use the, the traditional version of the Lord's prayer, uh, on Sunday, um, which I loved. I thought that was great. Um, and I, I was a little shocked. Nobody, nobody mentioned that on the way out. Nobody said anything. Um, but yeah, anyway. All right. So, um, number one, so we get, uh, Luke's presentation of the Lord's prayer. Number one, can you think of any reason why Luke's and Matthew's accounts of Jesus teaching on prayer are different? Can you think of any reason why their accounts of, of Jesus teaching on prayer are different. And I don't know if you spent the time to go back and compare the two or not. Um, anybody got a reason, though? Anybody got a reason? If I scroll up, the, I think I saw somebody. Oh, um, there it is. So Ron, the Myers say there's, there's two different men, two styles of writing. Okay. Agreed. Different settings. Um, agreed with, with both of those things. Um, and, and I think, too, is the point that Jesus wasn't necessarily teaching a set prayer as much as he's just trying to teach things they should be praying for. More about content, less about structure, right? More about the the topic than the wording right more about the 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 content of the prayer um, so it's not simply something to be recited in a mechanical fashion um, and I think that's the maybe the benefit of switching it up like we did over the weekend um, Joel says different audiences different focus Melissa says if Jesus wasn't teaching a set prayer how can we use it like a set prayer um, Um, well, Melissa, I think that's the, that's the sinful nature that takes things for granted and goes through the motions, right? Uh, Jesus talked about that a lot too, um, about we say the words, but our hearts are far from him. Yeah. Um, but I would say too, so the, the responsive prayers we've been using with this new hymnal, we've had almost every Sunday, the responsive prayer has been different than the last, I'm going to wager that many of us treated that like a set prayer as well. Um, even though it was one we hadn't said before, I, I think um, it's easy to, to treat it the same way, if you understand my point here. Um, and, and, and sure, um, Myers have a good point, that, right? There's unity in saying it together, for sure. Um, however we choose to say it, right? Whatever words we use. Um, 
and and yes, Phil, right? That the content again is in both, right? The 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 things to pray for are in both. The wording is is not necessarily the key focus, right? But but the themes of the prayer itself. Good discussion. Um, just maybe good reminders for us to just to try hard to not let it be mechanical. To try hard to not let it be something that just just rolls off the tongue without even even thinking about it. Uh, I, I hear what you're saying, um, Melissa, but I, I would. And I like, so I'm just, and I like, I know why we do it, but I also wonder about it at the same time. What specifically are you wondering about? Um, I think finally for me, you know, whatever worship style you're using, you're going to fall into the same pattern, right? I think, um, I think very often the issue isn't the word or the format. The issue is, um, our heart and our approach to it. Um, repetition has great blessings. Um, the woman in Alzheimer's in the hospital benefits from repetition because she will still remember the Lord's Prayer and the Apostles' Creed. Um, but repetition also has some pitfalls, and that can be uh, the danger we're talking about here in taking things for granted and going through the motions and not thinking them through. Um, Uh, definitely tough to figure out, Melissa. I agree. Um, I I don't know that we do a lot of things in the same ways. Um, I mean, I I guess that's always a sliding scale. Um, in one congregation, it's interesting. Just having served in several congregations now, I think each congregation has a little different idea about what is the same and and what is variety. It's it's just kind of an interesting thing that the perception it has been different everywhere I've been. Um, and Judy says that, yeah, oh, for sure, Judy, there's, there's a lot of history there and, and I'm finding young people like that. Um, the kids I'm meeting and, and granted it's a small sample size, but the young people like that because not much else in their life has that kind of tradition and history. Um, I, I'm also finding it's it's the older generation that seems to want more variety, um, not the young people so much. And again, small sample size, take that for what it's worth. And I'm sure that's different in different parts of the country and all that kind of stuff. But um, just food for thought. I think we have to be careful to make assumptions. It's really easy to make assumptions when we're talking about worship and the way we do things. Um, and I often find assumptions, my assumptions included, are off. So, so just keep that, all that kind of stuff in mind. Um, let, let's forge ahead here. Number two. Um, so I gave you a couple of sections to look at and some encouragements. Um, anybody quickly just give us an encouragement you picked up from one of those sections that, that you just appreciated. Um, anybody have a thought to share there on number two? Uh, give us an encouragement that resonated with you um, and just let me know. Let us know. Um, Judy, yeah, and I think, again, you know, so much of this has to do with background, history, area of the country, right? There's so many. Each setting really is unique to itself, and... Um, so you just kind of got to approach it each, each, each setting in, in its own unique way. Um, Melissa, no worries, no worries at all. No apology necessary. Um, it's good to talk about that stuff. Think about that stuff. And, and just to have, just to have perspective, right. That, that all kinds of ways things can be done. Um, and I'll just say this too, real quickly, what I find most from new people, they're less concerned about the, what we're doing. They just want to know, how to do it and not look silly. Um, whatever you're doing, do it well, be dialed in. Don't take it for granted. All right, enough. Let's go on. Uh, and again, listen, no, that's a good question. Please don't ever hesitate to make those observations. 
All right. So Linda says, trust God to give us gifts for our good. Yeah, I think um, that's a good takeaway here. He wants to give us good things. Marge says, the Heavenly Father gives us what we need. Yep. Um, I, I like that picture, right? That He could have had us call him so many things in prayer. Your Lordship, Mighty One, right? I, but he says, no, call me Father. How awesome is that, right? There is a connection there that he wants us to know about. There's a relationship there that he wants us to appreciate. So good. Um, Marlene says, keep praying. Don't give up. Yeah, be bold, be persistent, don't give up. Um, God listens. Uh, Phil says it's okay to be persistent. Um, he wants us to. Yeah, you're not going to annoy God. Um, keep talking to him. Judy says, verse 27 and 28. I need to peek at those real quick. Um, yeah, I, good thought there, Judy, uh, in connection to the, the Hail Marys. Um, yeah, that... That's an interesting, just just a quick aside, right? Jesus right there, if he ever has an opportunity to elevate Mary to a certain status, the way that, that certain church bodies elevate her, he doesn't do that, right? Now, he, he doesn't say anything negative toward her either, right? But somebody says, oh, blessed is your mom. And he says, well, blessed are those who hear the word and obey it. Um, so Jesus has a chance there to, to bump her up a couple of notches, and he doesn't. Doesn't mean he's 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 in any way negative either. He's just saying, no, 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 it's not about that. It's about hearing the word and, and obeying it. Um, good good, uh, good observation there. Um, Ron and Joan says, if God doesn't seem to be answering our prayers, just keep praying, just keep asking, right? Um, good. Good. Um, all good observations. Let's go quickly. Um, yeah, Marlene, um, he absolutely is. The tough part, maybe sometimes we don't always see it right away, but um, he absolutely is. As, and as God's people, we know that. Uh, number three, um, why did their evil, when did their evil spirit, I'm just going to quick run through number three here. When did their evil spirit leave them? When they believed at first. Um, why did it return? Because uh, they didn't accept Jesus as the Messiah. Um, and after that, they were more susceptible to Satan and his, his ways. Um, so unbelief paved the way for more influence by Satan in their lives. Um I'm going to quickly do number four as well, and then we'll spend some time on number five. Uh, number four, Jesus let and his followers let their light shine. Uh, what does Jesus urge the people of his day to do with that light? He says, um, bring it in through the eyes. And I think part of the thought here is be careful what you invite in with your eyes. Um, and Phil's got the verse there. You know how the song goes, right? Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Um just be careful what you're bringing in. That is going to impact and in influence, dare I say, infect uh, the way that we think and say and do. So be careful what comes in through those eyes. All right, let's let's conclude and spend a little time here on number five. All right, so Jesus continued to rebuke the religious leaders for their unbelief. In this account, he was at the home of a Pharisee. Uh, what started his rebuke of those Pharisees? Um, so first of all, what started the whole discussion? And then we'll we'll talk more about that discussion. So we're really looking at the end of the chapter here. Jesus very boldly, uh, now things are picking up, right? The ministry is moving along, getting closer and closer. So you're going to see his direct uh, rebuke of the Pharisees increase and, and be more pointed as we go. What starts the whole deal here, though? What starts the his rebuke? Anybody, uh, I think you look at verse 38. Um, so he, so Melissa says he didn't pay an extra law. Um, yeah, he wasn't following the rules about washing his hands, right? And it, we aren't told that they said anything to him. But Jesus knows all things. He knows what's in our hearts and our minds. And, uh, 
So, so he, he calls them out. Um, and it, if you watch closely, he does it a lot, right? They'll be thinking something and he'll call them on it. They don't even say it. But he knows what they're thinking. Anyway, so he didn't obey their laws. Um, he didn't wash before the meal. Um, and then, so he goes into six woes. And I, I listed uh, six of them there on your worksheet. Um, pick one and maybe just tell us the point that Jesus was making. What is he calling them out on? What what point is he making with each of those woes? Now, again, the audience here is unbelievers. So for you and I as believers, I, you know, we look at these things. Certainly there's law there. Um, and, and we can learn from it, right? Um, but as, as God's people, we're trying to avoid these things. All right, so... Um, Go ahead and fire away here. We've got six of the woes on your worksheet. Pick one and just tell us what, what point is Jesus making with, with the woe that he gives to them? I don't know if this is the best way to do that, but I don't necessarily, I think it takes a lot longer if, if we go through it individually. So just pick one, pick the one you like and uh, tell us what he means. So Melissa's got the one here about tithing, the first one. Yeah, boy, they were tithing, even to the, their bird seed. Can you imagine tithing your bird seed, um, counting out those little kernels, right? They, they're doing it. They're tithing everything, but they're neglecting. They don't love God, right? They, they're neglecting God's love and his justice, especially neglecting their love for God. Um, so that's a... That's a biggie, right? They, they are so focused on the details of things, but there's no love for God. All right, Judy says they didn't teach the law correctly and kept themselves and people uh, from salvation. Yeah, and I think you could say that maybe is almost really the theme over all of these things, right? Um so the second one, I think that's the one the Myers are looking at there. You love the most important places in the synagogues. There, there's so much pride there. There's no humility. And Jesus is saying that that's backwards, right? There, there ought to be some humility in their lives of faith. Um, unmarked graves. The point there um, is they that could make people unclean, right? If in, in their... In their Old Testament approach to, to faith, um, graves were something that made people unclean. And an unmarked grave um, didn't warn people about that, right? So he's saying that they are being unloving and unkind. Um, they're making others unclean spiritually, and they're not warning them about that. Um, yeah, Linda, you're right. That is an insult, right? He is not... Um, he is calling them out, right? He is trying to activate their conscience in a big way. Um, Marlene's talking about the most important places. Um, yeah, right. The, the most important one is right there, and, and they, they can't even see that. Um, is woe used as an extreme, Phil? Um, so it's used to make a point, right? It's you. He's not... He's not saying, oh, you shouldn't do that. No, I mean, he, yeah, this is strong, forceful language. Um, and he means it. That they're on the way to hell, right? And he's trying to, to call them out. So extreme, you could maybe argue, maybe not enough, not extreme enough, right? I, so um, good. Melissa says, proud of their heritage. Yep. Um, but Jesus is saying, you, you know, you're building tombs for these guys that your father's killed. So in a way, you're really approving of what they did. Um, so, yeah, um, again, always know the audience here, but but we sure can apply these things and just encourage ourselves uh, to watch out, to be careful, um, and, and just thank God that we know our Savior and have faith in him. We're at 7.30. In fact, we're two minutes past. Uh, man, these Luke chapters feel like a sprint here. Um, there's a lot in there. I hope I hope it's a benefit. I hope we're not going too fast. Um, 
part of it, I think I'm banking on the fact that you know some of these things well. Um, so I feel like we can take these big chunks. Um, but yeah, so let me know what you think. Um, next week, we're going to do 12 to 14. So, you know, so the email, actually, I think this week's email, I'm going to send you the next, uh, the next worksheets just so you have them if you need them. Uh, so a Thursday, look for an email with the next sheets on it. Next Tuesday, we'll continue Luke 12 to 14. Um, and then we'll have to see. We probably got five weeks of Luke left, give or take. Um, following that, we'll maybe break for a couple of weeks. Um, we'll just see where we're at. What, what, I'm sure that'll be June something. Um, but well, we got some good stuff yet in Luke. So I uh, hope to see you next Tuesday. Um, Hope this new uh, new presentation here was was not a distraction for you. Um, again, we're going to be kind of tweaking with things, so so let us know what you think and how things are going. And um, part of this is we want to make it ex as accessible as we can to to new people, uh, people that might just stumble across our channel. Um, so just let me know, you know, what you think. Um, all right, a couple of things. Phil's got an announcement there, confirmation 2 p.m. this Sunday. Um, sheets will be out. And Judy, well, thank you, Judy. Um, um, it's fun. I enjoy it. I think that that makes it easy to do. I think um, I, I would also say, Judy, that people are busy. Um, this is but one of but many opportunities people have to feed their faith to. Um, it is, if it helps to, to say this, you know, when, when I look back, so last week's class got around 50 views. Uh, so if 20 are live, that does mean people are watching it after the fact too, which is, which is a blessing. So um, yeah, but keep on, keep on coming, please. And keep inviting. Um, oh, Joanne, I missed that. See, I've, I've only watched that thing once and I, I probably gotta go back through. I'll, I'll catch more of those references. Um, Marlene, you're welcome. Linda says serve ice cream. Uh, I can see, I can ask. Um, oh, 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 Judy. Yeah, I got you. Um, yeah, you know, it's, I, we can talk about that sometime. Um, it just, yeah, it happens. And I think more and more it's people are looking for a message that, that is tailored to them and not necessarily, you know, the way God presents, um, Yeah, that's an idea, Joel. I'll have to get through. Uh, I gotta, I gotta look more into YouTube here and see what our options are for presenting. Um, so, but I, like I said, we're gonna keep working on it, tweaking it. So, all right, you're welcome, Lisa. Glad to hear that. Uh, me too. And um, good to see you, everybody. Blessings on your night. Um, if you get the thunderstorm tonight, be careful. Um, and have a great night. Hey, Robert. Good to see you. Glad you're with us tonight. Thank you for the kind words. Um, hope you keep joining us as well. All right, everybody. God bless you. I'm going to sign off. We will see you, see you soon. And if not before, we'll see you next Tuesday. Have a good night.